I'm sorry, gentlemen. He's gone. Wow. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's gone. Wow. He was such a great ASL player, too. Great guy. Great ASL player. Wow, man. It's really sad. Poor kids. Yeah. Boy, it's... You know, the gaming community's really lost a great guy, didn't he? He Wasn't he a great player? Yeah, absolutely. Great guy. He had a lot of good ASL stuff, too. He had, he had like, everything. Yeah, he had it all, didn't he? Yeah. And, and really nicely organized. Yeah, well kept. Yeah, did you see those uh, the boxes he used? Really nice. Oh, I'd love to have counter trays like that. Oh, yeah. And the way he printed out the uh, the rule book, he had several oh, different yeah, I'd, copies. I'd love to have that. Denim. Oh, yeah, that'd be... Yeah, I'd kind of like to have that, too. Yeah. He's not going to need that stuff. No, he's not. All you don't right. think? Why don't I take the rule book, and you take the counter thing? Okay, yeah, I want the counter keepers. I know he had those the white Swiss the Swede scenario pack. I want that. Okay, you take that. I, I want Kota Bushido. Now that wait, Kota Bushido is worth a lot more than just the Swede pack. All right, how about so? Well, I'll take. We could share it. <laughs> no, you take Kota Bushido. I'll take the Swede pack. And West of Alamein, although they're already reissuing the British, so... Okay, all right, well, let's do it that yeah, way. Yeah, we'll, fig- we'll figure it out. All right. Yeah. He's back. Oh, I think he heard us. I shouldn't have mentioned Kota Bushido. One and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, Advanced, Advanced Squad, Squad Leader. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave. And if you will just sit quietly for the next hour and a half and leave everything to us, we're going to take you on a voyage of adventure, danger, and excitement. And thrills. And thrills. And chills. Yep. So uh, here we go. Episode 52, or as they call it in England... 52. And today is June 27th. Yeah. 2011. I don't think we should tell people the date because sometimes it takes a while for, for me to <laughs> post. Yeah, for to post. Like, I don't know that it really matters. Like when matters, we recorded but... 50 and 51 in the same night and yeah. they were a month apart in yeah. the posting. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have good reasons. I'm a busy man. Yes, you are. So, uh, I don't know how long it's been since our last show, but a lot's been going on. Yeah, Rod Blagojevich has been convicted twice. Today was the new verdict. Oh, I didn't see that. I don't yeah. watch the news. Guilty. I only watch history. And even then, not very much. How can you watch history if it's past? I watch. <laughs> I was watching the History Channel, actually, yesterday, and there was a very good... Uh, they have a good show on called um, Greatest Tank Battles of all time or something like that and this particular one was on the Battle of Normandy which they called it which mostly centered on uh, and what I love about these shows now is they can do so much with um, computer graphics so obviously because there's not all that much film footage they do some great computer graphics stuff it makes it very exciting to watch and they interviewed guys that were actually in from the Canadian uh, I can't remember the, the outfit the armored division that was moving across Normandy with their Shermans and confronting all these Panzers, Panthers, and Tigers. 
and bears. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was really fascinating. And they were talking about, you know, how they were how they would try to move through a, a bocage or how they'd pull their tanks right up. And in this one instance, a guy had his tank right up next to the bocage and a, I guess it was a panther, came up and stuck its Snout. muzzle right through back at him. And they were like, he was like, oh my God, what do we do? And so they just started firing he said, and I guess the Shermans, and, and I think they 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 mimic this in squad leader, don't they, where Shermans can multiple fire under certain conditions? They get multiple shots. Well, all the time, because there's such a, the shell's a little lighter, so yeah. they let them get a more of a rate of fire. Yeah. Not a rate of fire, technically, but multiple hits. Yeah, multiple yeah. hits, multiple hits. So he said they were just they were just firing one after the other into this point blank into the front armor on, on this Panther, but it had no effect and then the panther fired back once and almost blew the top off their tank yep. but i mean but they were they were like yards apart yep and then so they threw it into reverse and bugged out <laughs> and lived the guy lived to tell about it it was fascinating yeah that is that is amazing yeah great show, great I, show. I was in the waiting room today and a woman um a uh, what were you waiting little, for the workout room oh the workout room and I was on the exercise bike, and a woman next to me started up a conversation, which I usually don't like because I'm reading. Although she goes, oh, you brought your reading. I was reading Newsweek at the time. but And she said, oh, I, I'm reading something, and you know, it would be smart if I brought it to do on the exercise bike. I said, well, I get a lot of reading done this way, you know, 35, 40 minutes. And so I said, so what are you reading? And she said, Hansel and Gretel which is the story of the Nazis' invasion of Poland in 39. Oh. And the two children, I don't know if they were named Hansel and Gretel, Gretel or not, probably not, but uh, these two children were sent off by their parents into the woods, run, flee, and it's the whole saga of, of their adventures. Wow. And I think I had read a review of that book in Newsweek and was surprised to hear this little Hispanic lady, probably in her 50s, late 50s, and said, oh, it's difficult reading in terms of, you know, very sad. And oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. So, But I'm currently reading um, Jared Diamond's Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail, which is very good. Oh, right, right, right. Very good. He wrote uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yes. Yeah. That was how they rise, and then this is how they fall. How they fall. Oh. Well, I can show them how they fall. I've fallen a little bit myself <laughs> every now and then. I'm reading, actually, the, um, in preparation for this episode, I read an Osprey book called uh, U.S. Half-Tracks of World War II, Vanguard 31, Osprey Vanguard 31, Text and Color Plates by Stephen Zaloga, and it was very good, fascinating. Excellent. Uh, and then I, ha I have another one that I read, uh, which was the German Armored, let me see, what's this called, German Armored Cars and Reconnaissance Half-Tracks from 1939 to 1945. Not as good. Oh, both, should, both by Osprey? Both by Osprey. This one is written by a couple of really nice guys. I shouldn't say that it wasn't good, but it, it wasn't. It, it just didn't have the same immediacy to it and and interest. The, the first book, the U.S. one, I could just I could apply everything I was reading to Squad Leader, and I think that's how I read everything now. How does it relate to Squad Leader? <laughs> and if it doesn't relate well, when I read The Great Gatsby last year, I thought this really doesn't relate well to Squad Leader. So that's what I've been reading. Um, I've got a, an announcement, a sad announcement. Yes. Um, 
you know, since show two, we have opened every show with a very distinctive opening music, which was, uh, which I picked up off the internet on a website that provided, um, by an artist who provided this um, copyright free music. And his name is Dennis K. Miller. He's a musician and uh, from Vancouver, British Columbia. And um, so we thank him for writing that music and providing that duty-free, or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, royalty But free. he's been royalty-free, but he has been fighting cancer for uh, a couple of years, and he passed away last month. Oh, you're kidding. No. I read it on his website the other day. So uh, very sad. So I think... Um, as a little tribute to him uh, at the end of the show, we'll play his complete song. That particular song is called Hot Cake Syrup. We'll play the complete song through uh, without our usual overlaying banter. Yes. That, thank you, so, Jeff. Dennis K. Miller. And uh, there's a link to him on our website under the um, on one of our pages. Um, I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember what the page is. Oh, uh, music. It's listed uh, somewhere. Yeah. Oh, it's called our theme music. Yeah, it's on there, so... So our condolences to his family. And uh, what else we have going on? Any other news? No, I don't think so. We tried to get Chaz on tonight and uh, couldn't reach him. Nope. But we just called. We just notified him the Friday night after work hours. Yeah. And now it's Monday, so yeah. be kind of a short notice to try and get him on. Yeah. We'll hope to get him on later. And um, go to letters. Letters. Have you got music for letters? Coming up in a momento. We need to turn those speakers on over there. Uh, Press the button. <laughs> Clear the throat. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. And now. And now. I know what I'm looking for. Oh, what's that, Byron? We got Byron working in the sound room. Um, and our lighting guy, I don't know if you remember that Phil is not here tonight. The guy that does our lighting and yeah. uh, makeup, Phil, could not be with us. So Byron's sort of filling in. Uh, Byron, we could use some more ice out here when you get a second. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, and your makeup looks very good. You look very uh, lifelike. Whoa. Hang on to your hands. You're a silly man. Well, Jeffrey, have you pulled up your letters? You know, now that we're doing uh, the live video broadcast, we got to do more sight gags. Oh, my dancing. Well, I'm not dancing anymore. Yeah, we got to do the typewriter. I'm not dancing oh, anymore. Not? Oh, really? No. What happened? Why? Because now they can see me. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, good for me. And if you look, um, if you're watching live, you can see on the chair behind me, we may as well show them the room a little bit. You can see on the chair behind me this 45 pounds of hairy meatloaf. That's Charlie Bear. He is uh, snoozing. But not losing. No, he's not losing. Okay, letters. Well, I have one from David Winston. Who? David Winston. He says, getting an error message when I try to download from iTunes, the file might be corrupted. So that, again, is they can just go to our site, Jeff. What, is that the answer to that? Or Yeah, I'd say if you're having a problem with iTunes, just go to our site and download it. Now, some people don't know how to do that. They are so Apple-reliant. 
But you can go right to our site and go to our, we've got a page just for that kind of thing. Um, also, he says, for Star Trek 1 and 2, Eddie Del Rio did some nice tutorial examples of play. Two for each, and here is a link to one of them for starter kit number two, and we'll put that, it's a Board Game Geek link. I think I already tweeted that out a while back, but we didn't mention it on the show, so we will now put it in our links column. It's amazing how many of these uh, tutorials and things are getting out there, even people doing uh, stuff on YouTube, which, and I've, I've watched a couple of them, but we could do better. We could do better. Well, but we never do. <laughs> we, we need more spare time. Do you have a letter, Jeff? Oh, by the way, we have 98 members on our fa- fans on our um, Two Half Squad site on Facebook. Now, when we get to 100, we only need two more. When we get to 100, something significant happens, but I don't. Oh, <laughs> but I don't know what. Isn't that typical? So we need two more people to join, and then we'll see what happens. And hopefully, it'll, it'll be a surprise. Yeah, hopefully it'll be like a big truck full of cash or something. We'll just drive up. Okay, so I guess that really doesn't count as uh, as reading a letter. But from uh, Baron Zemo, we got a congratulations, congratulatory letter. Happy 50th. Congrats. Looking forward to the 100th episode. I I take it that means he's going to skip 51 through 99. I don't blame him. Yeah, because um, I was listening to <laughs> Dice for Initiative podcast. You linked me to for... Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative. Yeah. RFI, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons original right. game. Not podcast. the original, but second. First edition. Yeah. yeah. Well, AD&D. Yeah, Advanced Dungeons D&D. Right. But it's not third, four. Right. Um, and Baron Zemo... There's always a person they're referring to as emailing them a lot. Oh, really? I wonder if you're the same Baron Zemo. You are a very careful listener. I have from Nick Law. He says he's reading Mungo Melvin's very good new biography of Field Marshal Von Manstein. So speaking of book, he recommends that one to mm-hmm. you all. In Chapter 9, it describes the headquarters staff of LV1. What's that? LVI. Um, I don't know. Uh, v is 5, I is 1, and 6. L4. Uh, L is... Yeah, 54 core. 54 no, core. 6th core. No, 50, yeah. 4 minus... Four, oh. <laughs> okay, I'll start again. In Chapter 9, it describes the headquarters staff of one of the corps of the German army at the start of Operation Barbarossa in June 41. Quote, Manstein was equally impressed by the head of his intelligence section, Major Guido von Kessel, and was supported well by his... Indefatigable quartermaster Major Kleinschmidt. Ah, and he says, "I hope this adds ammunition to your campaign for a Kleinschmidt single man counter nine neg two or ten neg two for indefatigableness." Indefatigable. No, indefatigable. Are you sure? I'm sure. It's one of my favorite words. Is that a chasm or a chasm? Indefatigable. Fatigable. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be I'm fatigued <laughs> just thinking of this fatigable. Many congratulations on reaching the dignified middle age of 50, and thanks for reading my last email. I was also listening in the office at my earphones when you surprised me by hearing his letter. I certainly brightened up the working day. Best regards, Nick Law from the U.K. It's really something how something so small as uh, reading somebody's email on a podcast that probably goes out to 20 or 30 people. And yet, uh, yeah, they get people get so excited. It's nice. Thank you, Nick. 
Yes, Nick, and I think I've got accustomed to my two counters, Klein and Schmidt. Yes, and I, you know, I listened to the last episode or the one when we talked about that, and I think we should say that's nice. Definitely, I, I would say you have a counter. Thanks to Chaz, I was going to say yeah. thanks tonight if we got him on the air. Yeah, but uh, uh, that's good. But I think Klein Schmidt might fit on a hero counter. You know, if they did it diagonally, okay. if the guy was wearing like a. I don't know. Because heroes don't have, like, colonel or lieutenant in front of them. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They don't. You could. You could do. You could be a hero. Uh, letter here from uh, Andre David Valencia. I like that. My name is Andre David Valencia. You killed my father, and now I'm going to kill you. Prepare so, to die. Prepare to die. Hi, guys. Great show. Somebody was asking for books with infantry tactics. Closest thing I know is the real field manuals. You can find a lot of the uh, rescinded versions on the net. Here are two links, and he includes two links, uh, which we will post. I don't like the second one that much because it's got a lot of pop-ups, but the information is good. Keep up the great work. Yes, and actually, I I did see that um, Osprey, I went through their entire catalog just looking at all the stuff, and they do have... A couple books on uh, infantry tactics and and uh, squads and platoon level tactics and things like that uh, in their canon of literature. So you might want to check with them as well. While you're doing that, I'll just uh, get, take a word, a moment out for our uh, word from our sponsor, Heineken. Heineken has generously provided us with beer tonight. And uh, homemade we, tea. We had to pay for it, but homemade tea in a in a forty four ounce cup from from Speedway. But yeah. it is my homemade tea. Looks <sighs> yummy. Yeah. I'll have a <laughs> in a few moments. Oh, me. Hey, I'd I'd like to know if anybody knows uh, out there. Speaking of knows, I opened a Heineken. I haven't had Heineken for a long time, and I hope I'm not repeating myself because it's sounding familiar now. But I opened a Heineken the other night after not having had one for years. I think. They're not as skunky smelling as they used to be. Did they change their formula? Do you know? No, I don't know, because they certainly were skunky. It was very skunky. It's much less skunky now. But Anonymous wrote to us and said, Hi, regarding books with tactical content, you should try small unit actions during the German campaign in Russia. This is a great reading for any ASLer and is available free on the web. And then he puts the whole link there, which we'll put, of course, on the notes. Several of the actions described in this book have been covered, uh, converted into ASL scenarios. Dave T. P.S. Another great episode, you guys. Keep bantering. Thank you. Thank you, Anonymous, otherwise known as Dave T. We will continue the banter. And I have another one from Baron Zemo saying, Great show. He was ordering Journal 8 and was wondering what maps he needed for the scenarios. And a, a listener had replied in the column with Telling him to go to the ASL Scenario Archive, and you can get a list of all the scenarios that tell you what maps you need. So thank you, Mika, for helping out Baron Zemo. And that's it for letters, Jeffrey. Or do you have another one? We've got one here from Chaz. No. I posted on... We don't? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, I just marked it to for interview, I think. Oh, okay. Well, look at it. Well, I, I posted on the Facebook page that we were doing research on uh, half-tracks, and if anybody knew of any articles that contained information about half-tracks, we would like to know. So um, we got uh, oh, six responses, I think, 
which is kind of nice. And uh, right after that, Chaz, who follows us on Facebook, wrote and he said, Jeff, FYI, we're doing a pretty extensive half-track article in Journal 10, but this will not be out until January of 2022. No, he didn't say 2022. You're right. I think he meant next year. And that, maybe we should write a new one, a better one, than the one he's going to get after we do this show. Yeah. Well, it's actually next show. Well, once, they, once they hear, yeah, once they hear our half-track episode, they'll just throw out their stuff. Now, Jeff, look at the letter from James Dillon. Hi, Dave and Jeff. I am the editor of Battlespace, a free digital magazine for strategy gamers. You can view and download the magazine at www.thebattlespace.com. And it kicks rear-end. Did you get a chance to look at no, it? No, I haven't had a chance to look this at it. This is an incredible gaming magazine. It has historical miniatures, board games, video games, PC games, the whole works. And I went in and clicked on PDF versions. It comes up right away on the screen. No downloading. I, you can make it larger and smaller. I can flip the pages whoosh, here incredibly. 85 pages, full color. It's the one of the absolute best. pages. Yeah, did you get to look at it? And I'm pulling it up right now. PDF. Hit the PDF thing. And then you can, again, zoom in and out. It goes really quick. And if you zoom in, I just move my cursor from left to right, and I'm reading right across the page. Then I click the Turn Page button, and I zip back over to the left, and I begin reading again left to right. I am just super impressed. I've seen some other online magazines. Maybe there's lots like this, but the other ones that we've been, I've, I've seen have not been this technologically advanced. It has all, The opening pages are all updates on new games coming out. And then it has some longer articles in it on design. They talk to designers of the, again, this issue's had a lot of the video games in it here. Steampunk, a couple articles about steampunk, miniatures games, uh, taking Age of Empires and Civilization to reinvent themselves in the age of free social media, how they're trying to update themselves. Diagrams, interviews with creators. War Machine, and then several pages, and a, one I really like, High Seas Skirmish, which looks like it's going to be a miniatures game uh, with a kind of fantasy. Your pirates can be dwarves or elves or skeletons wow. or normal human pirates. or and It's got a whole line of miniatures out with it. And then some Warhammer stuff. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Board games, new board games coming out, and then the top ones for the... Awards? What's the awards for board games? Well, there's the Charles S. Roberts Awards. There's um, the Origins. Yeah, there's Origins Awards. There's a lot of different. Yeah, then it lists the Origins of games coming up. Uh, and there, I thought there was an article. Oh, well, for Does World it make War you want to play? Does it make you want to play other games? No, well. <laughs> Does it? I know you, I think you like to play other games and experiment around. I think I'm, I'm getting over that. I'm kind of locked into yeah. ASL, D&D, yeah. and the various miniatures I rotate through in the guys' nights. Right. Um, we're going to try this game with Doug. With Doug. It's called uh, Mansions of Madness, you know, which I'm, just came out from Fantasy Flight, which looks kind of interesting. Yeah, and so I'll do an occasional, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the other guys do get into groups and do the games like... Yeah. That Spilky does. Oh right, right. Um, here I stand. 
Here I stand. Yeah, they're big. And I just kind of say no. But by the time I rotate through all my groups, I don't get to see everybody enough if yeah. I if I take a couple of weeks to do something else. Right. Um, there's going to be a Catan version that's going to be the Settlers of America, Trails to Rails of Catan version, and a Panzer General Allied Assault card game Too for you much. World War II enthusiasts and Conflict of Heroes, which is an Academy Games being put out, a Hex Encounter game. Looks like similar to Squad Leader. Um, but, yeah, in a way, I would just encourage you to yeah. let someone else figure out the rules for those and you stick to a, uh, ASL. Yeah. You know, like I the think, magazine um, is really cool. Oh, Battle the magazine is great. Space. Yeah, it, it, it loaded up here, and it's really impressive. Always makes me feel a little like, what the heck? How much time are they putting in Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's wonderful. What if our site was like that? But, you know, I, I have been playing a game uh, with Mike. Um, on alternating weeks when he comes over. We were playing a game called um, Fighting Formations, which is sort of new out, and people are kind of excited about it. And it's okay, but it's not squad leader, you know? And it takes effort to learn them, and then to do them well. Right. You should do them probably relatively often. Yes. I mean, it's not as complicated as squad leader, obviously, but but it's also, you know, it loses the realism. You just can't you can't do as much. You have to, you know, you can't have it both ways. And this just came in. A breaking to story? The news. <laughs> to the news. Wow. Matt Olson just sent us a letter. Here's two pictures of my version of the SL rulebook in digital format. You've discussed it in some of your latest shows. Great show as always. Huh, look at that. Pictures? He's got some pictures of his... Look at that. He's got... Uh, yeah, it's got diagrams, rules, everything he's got in there. Do you just scan it in? ASL rulebook in digital format. Well, maybe someone's got to get going on that. Chaz, NMFD. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But thank you anyway. Matt's Olson looks. I think it looks kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. All right, that finishes letters. Thank you, letters. Thanks, everybody. And Jeff, what is our current contest? Well, Dave, we're running a contest right now for um, lyrics, funny ASL lyrics. So the rules are simple, though the prize is still the surprise. <laughs> but the rules are simple. Simply take an existing song, take out the words, and insert ASL words of your own choosing. And hopefully it'll be funny. And we will try to perform it or find somebody or hire somebody to perform it for us. So if we... Um, have we gotten something new in this? Well, vein? we do have an a, uh, one of the ASLs or the T2HS singers, some new singers singing a very short song sent in by a person whose name I didn't write down, but he's in our email. <laughs> we are good. We're good. We're good. But we'll read off all the names of these <laughs> great songwriters and uh, yeah draw for prizes that we actually do know what they are. Remember, I have that stack Oh, that's home. right. Yes, you do. We have three or four items in there yeah, we listeners can over the choose from. Right. Yes, yeah, so we do know what they are, but we just don't... We didn't, I didn't bring them with. Yeah. And um, we need to pick an end date for this. This must end soon. Jeff? Oh, yes. Right. So... Are you putting me August. on the spot right now? June 30th? Oh, no. That was last week. Oh, no, it's tomorrow. No, it's two days from now. Two days from now. Well, um... August... August 1st? First. Uh, July 31st. 30 days. 
Yeah, July 31st. All right, let's do it. Right. This contest is ending soon, folks. Yeah. By the time you hear these next couple shows, it'll be over. Yeah. And here's the happy birthday song with ASL lyrics. Happy birthday to you. I just rolled a two. Your tiger's now burning. Here, have another brew. See? You're so- wow. Your song can be simple, or your song can be a little more complicated. Yeah, like the Bungle in the Jungle song, which was or very well done. this one, Singing in the Rain, and it's the return of the original to Half Squad Singers. interlude? Yes, uh, indeedy. Sorry you didn't bring your top hat on pain tonight. That? that was very nice. Well done. Pinning and breaking in the grain. Yeah. <laughs> we rally again. Rally we do. Rally. <laughs> Who performed those, Jeff? Or wrote well, those um, songs? The two half squad singers, of course, performed yeah, them. But. They performed them very well, but Martin Marquis wrote the lyrics, uh, pin, uh, Pinning in the Grain. And then somebody named P. P. Just posted it on our site. Wrote the lyrics happy to Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. And Troy Nordine, Daniel Wallen, Dennis, the rest of you will, might get your songs made up in the full versions. May not, but anyway, you're going to be in the in, in the contest. In the contest. We don't have to make your song into a song to get in the contest. Just send the lyrics in and do it by... July 31st. 31st. Yeah, that's the cutoff date. All right. We will not do any more after that. And now it's time for what you've been playing. Oh. And what I've been playing lately is 10-ton tank. I lost this one to John Pyers. Boo-hoo-hoo. But it is the um, game put out with the Swedish volunteer pack from the Friendly Fire Guys, I believe. Ah. The scenario was designed by Lars Olsen and Martin Savard. You get the white counters. I paid a lot of cash for this one. Boy, is that... Because it, it was on eBay. Well, it was on John. I was going to put it on eBay. And I said, no, I'll pay you the price right now. I just want to have those Because it's counters. no longer available. Correct. Is it not likely to come become available again? No. We're, we we're always recommending Chaz kind of... It's it's copyright free. So it's it's a open license. You yeah. should shove it into the um, pack with the fins. Yeah, the hot right? 
because mm-hmm. this is the Swedish Volunteers fighting in Finland, February 27, 1940. Really, the scenario has been considered well-balanced by most everyone that's been playing them that I've talked to. <laughs> I haven't checked them on the roar. They're small, great tournament size, five, six turns. Some are infantry only, but I just love it. Love the white counters. I love the whole concept. Of course, you all know I'm partial to the Finnish kind of stuff anyway. Nice. So a 10-ton tank. Highly recommend all of the Swedish Volunteer Pack if you ever can get a hold Why of it. Why do they call it 10-ton tank? Because there's this really heavy tank in it. The counter's so heavy you can barely move it. You just <laughs> scrape it across the board. <laughs> uh, what, where is the tank? Is uh, it in there? The tank is set up in one of the hexes. It's already been hit. Oh, I see. And it's stopped there. It's immobilized, I think. It was immobile, at least. Um, no, but it sets up in line of fire. And then that one I nailed, of course. Um, and then a couple more come on. And the Swedes have no tanks. so. And I played Schloss Hemmingstein. This okay. scenario by Pete Schelling. This is from the Journal 121. And it's the Germans and the Americans. And I... Pulled out a lucky win against Bob Holmstrom, a great skilled player. And this has great fortification. You want to put up a defense, a lot of fun. Pillboxes, wire, trenches, minefields, flamethrowers for both sides. Both sides got flamethrowers. Six and a half turns, quick play, did it in a night. Bob got kind of mad at my low dice rolling. Did he but, really? But he also, I set up for, I prepared to be surrounded on both flanks. And this, I thought he was going to come around both flanks. Yeah. Because there's cover to come in, and there's a road across in front. And he's got to take these buildings in the middle. It's a real simple setup. And he did a great first move, concealed, advanced, and then prepped up, or final fired the next phase, breaking my people all over, 16 shots, 24 shots. And But then he launched that attack across that street, hit minefield, wire, minefield, and he came in right through the front door, huh? Well, because he, he could bust half my guys with his firepower. Yeah. And then, uh, but he couldn't get across the street. No. I was rolling low at the critical moment, and he was rolling high. You know, even yeah. with the morale of six to one, your Americans, average roll is seven in the street. That's a neg one or two. Four little four shots. Fire lane. He did his best to stop my fire lane by driving a tank into it, mm-hmm. but, the, but it was in my, my machine gun was in a pillbox. And he rode a tank into that hex, which should end a fire lane, except... Not in a pillbox. Not with a pillbox. Separate location. Yeah. yeah. So luckily I was able to keep my, my uh, fire lane going, yeah. which alone was a four, like, neg one, because he, he did throw smoke and everything properly. But, again, with the six morale guys, he has a bunch of seven morales, too. But had he made a couple of those rolls, boom, he's across with some big, you know, going to be uh, able to win in close combat against my second line troops... But I also had some SS that were ready to fall back up into the church steeple in the middle there. A lot of fun, though. But talk about a great defense to put up with all this stuff. And it's all set up hidden as if at night. Oh, I see. Yeah, the pillboxes. Yeah. Uh, the, so they're all hidden. You just got to remember where you put them. And, Jeff, what have you been playing? Well, uh, you and I played second Christot. Um, there was a first Christot, right? Yes. That, that we played. beat me in that one. Yeah. Uh, which is... Um, this is out of uh, Action Pack. Mm-hmm. Action Pack 6, was it? Yeah, I think. Bocage. Yeah. Uh, it won't all five. the Bocage in it. I can't I remember five, which one. Because Decade of War was in there. Yeah. Uh, this was designed by Ian Daglish, our very close friend. Yes, yeah, so we'd like to interview very, very soon, yeah. Ian. 
we've never met him or talked to him, but he's our very, very close friend. Okay, email us now, and we'll get you a set yeah. lined up. I'm sure he's I'm, He's probably in the chat room right now. Nobody's in the Ian, chat room. Ian. Uh, Second Christote uh, takes place in France, uh, June 16th, 1944, which is just about 65 years ago this month. Mm-hmm. So we played it just, just in the nick of time. Lots of bocage. Um, I don't even remember this. Oh, yeah, the British. Right. British against the Germans. Had to control some buildings. And um, we did pretty good with this one. I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad that we've been playing all of these bocage ones. Cause all together in a row. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's the way to play. It really is the um, way to do it. Because we already forgot a lot of the rules. We had to pause yeah. and look a few things up and then start to come back to us quicker. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was this, it was this. Yeah. And, then, and I found a couple more uh, bocage uh, cheat sheets, like charts and things, that I'll bring next oh, time. Oh, Because we're, we're still excellent. playing a bocage one. Thank Where you. were those, Jeff, at the Cabbage's site? Uh, you know, I, I really wish you people that um, spend all your time creating these wonderful cheat sheets and tables and stuff like that. Like, I found a really great one for half-tracks. It's fabulous. I want to read off of this when we're doing our half-track episode, but the author is not on here. I downloaded it months and months ago. I think the author it was from Picavage. That pro- looks like his it stuff. It probably was, but, but he normally puts his name on oh, stuff. so maybe not. So I wish you guys would because we'd like to really give you kudos, and we'd like to you know, or just you know, write you and say, is it all right if we read your stuff on the air? And what else are we playing? Is You got the one we're playing in right now? No, I did not. I thought we should finish it before we bring it oh, in. Okay. But, um, yeah, we have a game going right now, yeah. Jeff, and I do from Bocage still. And I have Never Say Nevoz, uh FT-120, which is from the Le Franc Terreur. It featured a setup of some Bolshevik partisans. It's from that, that Russian Revolution. Oh, yes. Game I got so excited about yes. Dave, Tim, and I are trying to play through all those. Right. And it has the a setup with a, a prisoner... And this neat rule, this unarmed half-squad and the partisan OB is the American prisoner. And all normal prisoner unarmed rules apply. And the partisan guard may not exit before turn 5 with that prisoner. Beginning on turn 5, he may start to exit for victory points. And then there's this neat thing where you got to take build, hold buildings and you can exit for the, as a partisan. you got to protect the prisoner. If the Americans accidentally kill the prisoner, they give up like triple victory points or something like that. Really neat. Liked it a lot just with this little prisoner element. All infantry. So if you're just starting out with infantry, you can play that. And then we did a Grasp the Wind, which was in uh, Siberia 1919. Another one of those Russian Revolution ones from Le Franc Terror Pack and Bolshevik Partisans, again, with the Americans. So we've been playing three or four, maybe ah. there's five. I think there's five of these with Americans with Bolshevik Partisans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it'll get. Then we'll go on. The first two we played were with the Chinese against the Japanese. Right. And then we'll go on from here. Red Army, White Army, all kinds of things. This pack was just so full of great stuff. And that's what I've been playing. And we have an interview. Oh, um, actually, we got an email just now. Another one. Another email just now. It says, seems to me that when you have a live chat show, you should interact more. Oh. When you have a live show, you'd interact more with the live chat. Uh Oh, it felt like watching a canned episode. Well, I don't see anybody in the chat room. Do you? No. Are I'll, you are you logged into the site? I'll respond to him. Can you go to Justin TV and <clears throat> see if you see anybody in the chat room there? I'm looking on here, and and uh, thank you for writing us, Ected. We don't see anybody in the chat room. Otherwise, we would be. Oh yeah, there's people in there. 
hey. <laughs> oh, we were looking at we're some sorry. screen. Our our, on our screen, it's blank. <laughs> There's nobody in the chat room on our screen. Holy cow. So let's see what we, what we have here. I have our our apologies. Let's, we we let's are very sorry. And we were just I was looking at going. There's nobody in the chat yeah, room. Yeah, I know. It's like nobody's watching us. Thinking, oh, we're once not going to do this again. I mean, what's, it's just distracting. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start reading those. Jeff, well, you start the, reading them for for those. Okay. All right. So we got an ad um, with a guy with a weird tie. JF1970 says uh, I downloaded some PDFs called Stoller's ASL tutorials. Also, yes, I've downloaded those. Also, very good. Tutorials. There's so much good material out there. Um, B, uh, BG, oh, Ekted wrote, uh, Russ Givert has some flash video tutorials, which we have seen. Also very excellent. Uh, Mark Morrison says, uh, there's an ASL starter kit one tip sheet out there by MB Tanker. I I don't know if I've seen that. So I've got. Um, Can we keep these and get these? Yes. Do I have to copy these now? Do these disappear from the chat room? I'm not sure. Are they permanently in there? I'm not sure. Sorry. Hey, guys, can you email those to us also? Yeah, if you could email those links to us. And then I'll us. copy the links and get them up for the show. That, that'd that be great. Links. Um, and then Ekted writes, uh, I have two blog posts about Starter Kit 1. Oh, so Ekted's got his own little website going on there. Um, then we have uh, Mind Riot, 1976. The thing I last played was... AP6, Shouting Into the Storm. Oh, he's wondering which action pack. But shout, and I haven't played that one yet. Yeah, that one doesn't, That's probably from Decade doesn't of War. sound familiar. Yeah. Oh, he, AP4, I think, the Normandy pack. Yeah. We're doing that one now, and I don't think it's in that one. No. We don't have them all here. AP5 was Eastern Front, AP6 with the new boards. Yep, okay. I think we should get AP4, motorhomes. Yeah, AP4 was Normandy. That's what we're playing now. Five is the Eastern Front. We haven't played any of those yet. I right. haven't. You haven't. And AP6 is the Decade of War with the new boards, right? Yeah. Right. Thanks, guys. Yep, we do need them to clarify things. Well, it's you know it's hard to keep track of it all, but I, I've suddenly come up with a great idea. We should come up with like the ASL uh, motorhome, complete motorhome. You buy the motorhome; it's complete with all decked out with everything ASL in it for gaming, for motorized gaming. You keep everything in there. Doesn't take up room in your basement. Where do you store the motorhome? Huh? Where do you store the motorhome? Well, I haven't worked that part <laughs> out yet. <laughs> I wouldn't store it anywhere. I'd live in that sucker. We could have a studio. Just think then, what we could do with unlimited But then your whole bedroom funds. would be free to load up with more gaming stuff. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to do any more gaming. I'm I don't gonna, think you've thought that through. I'm going to have to break it to Mike that I don't want to play any other stuff other than ASL. Now, even though I've been, you know, I was the one that said to him, let's play some different stuff, but I've changed my mind now. I can do that. It's my prerogative. <laughs> I know a woman. <laughs> I can change my Once mind. in a while, you can play something else. <laughs> hey, if my, and if Mike is the one learning the rules. Yeah, and he does, and it's fun. I like Mike, and Mike is a great guy. He is a great guy. He's going to China next week. Ah, so yeah. All right, what what's uh, next in our show, Dave? In our great show. Well, we have our interview, so we'll just uh, turn it over to we, at Aslock, Jeff. You okay, met yeah, Steve Green from Australia. From Australia, yeah, great guy, very nice guy. And so, uh, you, I think you're going to find this interview fascinating. I I certainly did. I just re-edited it, not re-edited it. I edited it last week uh, in preparation for the show. Indefatigable. He is indefatigable. And edited it. I edited I, it. 
I edited it. And uh, you're going to like it. Steve Linton, thank you again for talking to us at yeah. ASLOC. And here's Steve. Well, welcome to Steve from Australia. Steve, what's your last name? Steve Linton. Steve Linton from Australia. Where in Australia? Uh, from Canberra. Canberra, not Canberra. No, not Canberra, no. I told you about the pronunciation. (laughs) And did you say you lived in South Carolina? Yeah, I did. When I was young, my father was in the Navy, and he was on a posting down at the Naval Station there. And I lived there from when I was 12 to 15. And uh, I guarantee you that a U.S. Forces base is a great place to live as a kid. You know, you basically got completely guarded golf courses, swimming pools, movie theatres, PXs, it's... Heaven. It's actually where I bought my very first war games. Okay. It was in the PX in uh, Charleston. And what were those war games? Um, Kriegspiel and D-Day and Lou Zocchi's Battle of Britain. All right. Did your uh, dad play war games as well? No. Um, I convinced him once or twice to play Midway, but I don't think he appreciated the fact that I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of retired from the field at that point. <laughs> he wasn't a big fan of, uh, of getting getting beaten. My father it was never one of his best things. Uh, but you had other, you found other people to play. Yeah, um, it was funny. Uh, a friend of mine and I used to play, as I say, Battle of Britain, but we had a completely bastardised version of it that we sort of made up. But I was keen enough about it. I collected a lot of them. I had most of the early Avalon Hill World War Two titles. And Julie took them back to Australia where they sat in cupboards for years. And Julie and is... I had played bits and pieces. And I, I was really into it. I used to spend my summer holidays. I'd get out the old SPI game, War in the East, mm-hmm. and I'd play that solitaire. And that's like, that's like division-level stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it'd take me three or four weeks. But I didn't actually play a serious face-to-face war game until, oh, about 88... <laughs> So, 38 years, so about 20 years after I started. So, just never bumped into anyone who was really interested. I admire the people, which is almost everybody that I talk to, that played war games when they were very young and they didn't know the rules, so they sort of made up the rules as you went along. You know, like you just yeah. said, you bastardized the rules. Because when I was growing up, it, when I, in my brief experience with war games, if I didn't understand the rules, I had to stop. If I thought, oh, it's not explained in the rules, I, I had to stop. I couldn't go on. So you never got to play as much. So I never, I, I really didn't play. I, I had a mental block about that. I don't know why. Yeah, I'd, that was funny because we just, we were more moving the counters around on the map and rolling yeah. the odd dice, you know. It had nothing to do with the mechanics, you know. I don't know if you're familiar with Zocchi's Battle of Britain, but it's really complicated sort of uh, background game. You've got to keep count of the number of aircraft in individual units. We just lined them up and rolled odds and evens to see who to shot see, down who. Yeah. So, and we had a good time doing it. Yeah, that uh, sounds great. And yeah, my, my, my brother had actually um, somewhere encountered a war game and then made drew a map of, of his own on a big poster board. And then we bought these little plastic pre-made model kits, like they're like little die casts, but they were yeah. plastics. And then he just invented some kind of a rolling system, and, you know, the planes could move everywhere, and the tanks could only be on the land, and, yeah, it was very basic. So, Jeff, he, he was creative enough to just break away from whatever kind of rule system he had seen and was trying to imitate, made up his own thing, kind of like an odds and evens. But, but that, That's it, I think. One of the things that a lot of people, where it gets really complex is when you start bringing in the detail. And it's interesting... The odds-even stuff is good because you're enjoying the game. And to be honest, you don't really care who's winning or losing. 
And I find the more complex it gets, the more involved it gets. People tend to care a bit more about winning or losing sometimes. So. Yeah. Because they've invested more in it, they've invested right. more time in it. So yes, it's, it's a bit tougher that way. It can be true. You know, the odd, the odd ASL player can be a bit like that. You know, I think we're all a bit like that on occasion. So. Yeah. And then you lived in England for a while with your dad. Oh yeah, Jackson. I was I was very young when I lived in England. Again, I came out of there with a, an Oxbury accent and a fascination for Daleks. But that's that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was back when I was like six or seven. But uh, Daleks but, from Doctor Who. Yeah. Yes. But I've, I've been in Canberra now for oh, 30 odd years. So, and that was where I first got around to actually playing ASL. Because I've been collecting it since the start. You know, I had the, the purple squad leader box and all that sort of stuff. And um, I actually was working for a guy who was a particularly annoying boss who basically was looking for reasons to get me out of the office. And he sent me off on this internet course. And so I go off and they're teaching you how to use web browsers. This is like early 90s and um, I'd been looking through the rule book recently so I thought I'd do a search on ASL and I found the internet mailing list and at just the time I started watching it some guy had actually posted a thing suggesting look people should say where they're from you know so anyone else locally can match up for a game so I thought oh, that's a good idea I'm from here and within a week I'd found a group of about eight or so guys in Canberra who were playing the game regularly so it was like oh Excellent. All this cardboard can come off yeah. the shelf, you know. Yeah. So. Was that the Paddington Bears? No, no, they're in Sydney. They're in Sydney. Um, we, our Canberra group, don't think we've got a name. We try one every now and again, but they never quite fit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a completely completely separate group. They're about 300, 400 kilometres away from us. So yeah. you know, we get together at tournaments on occasion, but not much beyond that. Right. Three or four hundred kilometers. That's like eight miles, right? And about eight miles. Yeah, eight miles. And it's only a quarter of an inch on the map, on my map. Right. Yeah. Big okay. enough scale. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with geography. So you, uh, so you started playing with those guys. Are those guys you still play with them? Yeah, some of them. Um, you yeah. know, moved away, giving up the game, that sort of stuff. But uh, a fair few of them are still there. Um, we've got a pretty active group. Canberra's got about 250, 300,000 people. And over the years, we've had a group size anywhere from 8 to about 16. So we get pretty good density. And one of the things that we've been really lucky with is we've had a very regular, very common approach to the game. So it's sort of locked into the diaries. It's a given. It's almost, you know, like this is what happens on this day of the week stuff. So that works really well for us. Yeah, I find having a regular kind of time, my club, we try to go first, you know, like Tuesday of of the month and then... People can plan for that. Yeah, we're greedy. We go for every Tuesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think in the 15 or 16 years I've been there, I think there's been maybe two Tuesdays where there hasn't been a game. So, you know, you basically get to play 40 to 50 times a year um, every year. So you get a lot of it in. And you also, you know, we get together, we have dinner together, you know, we play the games, we have a bit of a chat, we laugh at each other's bad play, that sort of stuff. So it's, um, it's a really good way of keeping the group together as well. And it also means that you've got people who only want to play once a month. They can pick and choose. Um, People who only want to play every now and again, every second week, want to play a bigger scenario, they can play it over a couple of weeks. So it gives people a lot of options too. So it keeps them interested. Where do you play? uh, We rotate between guys' houses. You know, we've got a couple of guys with decent sized sort of basements and that that we can play in. We've got, uh, you know, we'll cram into a room as big as we can. But I think, you know, it's a pretty good indication of how good we are. We've got four guys from our group who are here at ASLOC, you know, which is halfway around the world, and there's four of us here. So 
that's pretty good. I think we beat most states just on our own. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing turnout this year. And did you do ASLOC last year as well? Uh, not last year. Um, I've been six times now. The first time I came was in 99. Um, again in 2001, which was interesting in and of itself, of course, given the timing. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And I've been three times since then. Yeah. Uh, and enjoyed it very much every time. You know, the total immersion thing is just a really brilliant way to get across the game and to get to meet new players, get to play new things, get to spend lots of money with Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get to shovel the money out pretty well. But um, And it's a really good opportunity as well because, you know, I've met friends here, I've met uh, and got to play people that you just wouldn't get the chance to do otherwise. And that's it's a really good way to keep your interest in the game up. Yeah. Are there other tournaments that you travel to that are th- uh, this far away? Do you fly anywhere else? Um, I started a trend years ago of the round the world ASL tours. Um, 99 was the first one, and I went from ASLOC to a tournament in France um, and then on to Intensive Fire in the UK, all three in a month. Um, and I've done that a couple of times. But that's pretty time-consuming, and I've now got an eight-year-old daughter, so daddy's not allowed out the door for that long. Right? (laughs) Yeah, you need to be there for her. Um, So she's uh, she's uh, lets me go for a while, but that's pushing it a bit. And to be honest, I don't really want to be away from from home that long. But um, it's it's a really great way to travel because the other advantage too is you know you turn up and say, oh look, you know, stay here, stay with us, stay with me, and that's that's really good too. Because apart from the fact that it makes the trip a bit more viable. You get to meet people outside just pushing bits of cardboard around because, uh, strangely enough, there is life outside ASL, although That's <laughs> looking around the room, you begin to wonder. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think so. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's, a, it's a really good way to, um, to get a mess. And the play styles are very different. The playing styles that you encounter in Europe, the playing styles you encounter in England and here are very different from the playing styles that you get in Australia. And what are some of those yeah, differences? Yeah, can you describe them? Um, one of the ones, there's a definite speed issue. Uh, Australian players tend to play a bit quicker than Americans. Um, I wish Americans would pick it up. Yeah, I think it's more to do with the fact that we play, most of our tournaments are like two-round-a-day things, start at about 10, finish at about 6, so you don't really have that long period of time to play a scenario. And most of our games tend to be evening sort of events, so you're trying to fit something in between like... 6 or 7 and 11 or 12 so you tend to try and compact it down a bit um, I think too that we tend to work on a theory that well playing two games of ASL in a given period of time is better than playing one really long carefully considered one and I've, look I've also personally got a theory that some people think a lot too much about what they're doing Correct. and generally speaking once you understand the rules, once you understand the play it's going to be your first or second idea is going to be the best option. Okay, if you're playing a really complicated thing like Red Barricades or a campaign, more thought needs to go into it. But if you're playing a small scenario where you figure are good places for that tank, they're probably going to be the best ones. You don't need to check all the suboptimal ones out and eyeball them. And a lot of people take a lot of time to yeah. do that sort of stuff. Right. And it gets a bit frustrating sometimes when you play people who are really slow, but... That's okay. People people have a different style, you know, and yeah. uh, that's it's a useful thing to do. But there's also a lot of different tactical approaches. Um, the way people use vehicles is very different. I remember the first time I came to Waslock, some of the things I saw people doing with vehicles, it was like, 
what the hell? What were they doing? Never I mean, even thought about it. The over... Not, not just the bypass stuff, trees. but just the way they were using the block route paths, that sort of stuff. Just this sort of second level of basic tactical knowledge and understanding, which was very, very different. Also, I think a lot better use of, of half squads. That was something that was really sort mm-hmm. of something I hadn't encountered a huge amount. Because we had a lot of guys with a lot of experience. We didn't have a lot of guys with a lot of broader experience mm-hmm. and it's good fun when you do that you go overseas you learn all this stuff you go back you kick everyone for a few weeks and then they think <laughs> oh okay now I see what he's doing <laughs> and so it brings a level of play up and it brings a level of enjoyment up a fair bit as well yeah using the half squad to draw fire to cut off route paths to it's not just that it's getting them upstairs it's getting sort of the long range blocks of uh, of lines of sight it's interdicting where people are going rather than where they are sort of stuff it's sort of that positioning for the couple of couple of turns ahead okay you know i played a scenario yesterday against matthias and he ran this squad with a half squad with a panzer shrek right round behind my lines and that was great until i thought oh, okay reinforcements aren't going to like that much so, again so it's 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 the thinking ahead side of it that becomes very different um probably the most interesting ones though is when you go to go to europe is watching the europeans play and just listening, you listen to the French play, it's like the whole terminology is different. And it's almost like it's a completely different ASL language in a sense, just the, the terms they use for, for rally and route and, and the morale checks and that. You've sort of, it's almost, again, you've got to learn another language when you're playing. And they use that IIFT thing as well, which I like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's harder to memorize that. We've talked about that. Well, I'm getting old, you know. It, I want oh, the one I know. Yeah, <laughs> I right. I can't think yeah. too hard about the other. <laughs> Uh, so you've been here since Saturday. Uh, you got last, in on Friday. I've been Saturday. playing since last Saturday. Yep. Yeah. And how are you? How are you feeling? Because we're oh, not bad. Tomorrow not bad. will be the last day. Um, well, I've got uh, 15 games in. I'm about to start my 16th, so I'm lagging behind a bit this year. I find you hit a point where you sort of get into this semi-zombie state where you can be really, really good at playing ASL, but remembering what day it is. No, that's 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 the step yeah. beyond. So you can you can really you sort of zone into what you're doing, yeah. and that's it. You know, and so you're in there, you know the rules. The other thing too is about Thursday, you don't need to look many things up in the book because most of them come up. So it's not like that odd game. Oh, what's that? You played it, you've been there, you remember all the modifiers and that right. sort of thing. So it makes it a bit smoother as well. The yeah. gameplay. So. It must be. Uh, I'll bet it'll be a little disorienting for you on Monday when you leave. Yeah, it will be. Well, I'm heading off to New York on Monday too, so you know it's a, it's a bit different going from nice safe hotel where you're playing ASL to to out in the big city. Yeah, safe uh, Cleveland, from safe Cleveland to <laughs> Dave and I did a little drive around the other night and found the unsafe places. Oh, okay. Town. You yeah. went to the bits where they tell you not to go. Yeah, yeah, a little bit scary. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say my my experience of Cleveland is pretty limited. Uh, Apart from Dave Gennard's house and uh, the couple of Aslock hotels in the area within a certain radius, um, I could basically tell you absolutely nothing. Yeah, we haven't seen downtown yet. So I've been here. Mm-hmm. I've been here six times and never been into Cleveland itself. Yeah. So, do you have any uh, favorite types of scenarios to play? I have some I avoid. I'll, I'll play almost anything. Yeah. Um, I quite like them, and I'm at the moment I'm trying to work out the concept of caves because I want to give the caves a go. Have you played them before? No, never okay. played caves. You know, got piles and piles of scenarios and managed to avoid any of the ones we've play-tested with caves in them. But um, I just, I'm not a big fan of exit scenarios because I find that 
there's always that last thing that can go wrong that you know you can mm-hmm. completely outplay your opponent and then you know you break a vehicle or something and oh okay that's it you know just for the one of a few movement points I particularly like the ones though where you get a situation where you've got the attack counterattack where you've got a small defending force who've got to be overwhelmed and then the other side gets to come in because it ensures that both players are engaged, that they've both got some active involvement in it. It's not just sort of, well, you shoot at me and then I'll skulk back and I'll move back into the front buildings and hope you don't break me. Um, and so I, I, I really enjoy those sort of scenarios where there's a lot of movement in this sort of situation. And while it's a bit old school, things along the guards' counterattack line, which they can flow and the control of the buildings and that can shift. So mm-hmm. I really like those. Do you have any favourite uh, Australian involvement scenarios? I like some of the New Guinea ones um, because they're really close quarter stuff. Uh, They're really, really tight situations um, and they tend to come right down to the wire. You know, they're always one of those things that come down to, you know, a last couple of close combats or the battle around thing. And there's a lot of ebb and flow in them because when you're in the jungle... You know, you can sneak around. There's, you know, even when you're defending, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. But yeah, the New Guinea ones I like. Um, I'm not a big fan of the desert, which is where most of the other sort of ones featuring the Australians are in. Uh, right. And yeah, it's the early war ones too uh, that are set in Greece, but definitely the ones that are in the in the, up in the Kunai and that in uh, in New Guinea are the best ones. Have you ever been to New Guinea? No, I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Um, I've sort of. Done a lot of World War Two battlefield touring, but never made it to never made it to New Guinea. Oh, what battlefields have you been to? Um, everything from Normandy to Stalingrad. Wow! Uh, when I was young, I decided to do one of those traditional three months around Europe trips, and got the bug bad at the time. So, so I went to to Russia in 1981, uh, which was back in the days when it was all controlled tourism and that and sort of did the tour of Stalingrad. I actually went to, to Stalingrad in February in uh, 1981 and was doing the walk around on the, on the 6th, the day the, the 6th Army surrendered and looking, the river was flowing and it was like 2 degrees above zero and I'm thinking, much better year to be here than 1942. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, now, are there ruins left in Stalingrad? Yeah, there, there are. Blocks? You know, like Pavlov's house is still there. Really? Yeah, a lot of the things along around the city are still there in the condition they're on. You can go up uh, on the hill on where the Mamaya Kian is and get a very good view of where the tractor factories and red barricades and that were. Um, there's at least four or five of the big buildings in the city that are still there as basically rubbles. Um, and they've got the whole front line, the furthest extent it got to, marked out with um, T-34 turrets. And there's bits of it where you get there where, you know, you could turn around and throw a rock over your head and still hit the river. You know, wow, you know yeah. you've got feet between you and the, and the edge of the river. It's, it's quite astounding what they were shoved back in. Wow. We've got to, got to, we've got to get traveling now, Jeff. We talked on the way down that the, with Doug Grease and Jeff and I. Mm. Maybe it's time to start putting some energy into trying to travel. Look, it's a lot cheaper to do it now. Um, you know, Russia, when I went, was controlled and the, the cost was obscene. Um, but, you know, mind you, you got your own tour guide and I'm the only person silly enough to go to Stalingrad in, in that time of year. So I had my own tour guide taking me around and I sort of said, well, I want to go here and here and here. And so she took me literally everywhere Where did that I wanted to go. Where did you meet her or get Interest, her interest basically just allocates you someone. Okay. So, you know... 
she does the stuff. And it was, and I don't think they do anything like it anymore, but um, it was a really brilliant way to be able to see the sites. And I, I did there, I did Minsk and Kiev and Moscow and that sort of thing, of course. Um, but Stalingrad was probably the best one from a military perspective. Yeah. But I've done, did the tour of the Bulge when uh, Scott Byrne and I came here in 2004. We then went on to Europe and hired a car and went through all the, the Bulge areas and down to Normandy and through a lot of the World War One sort of battlefields as well. Yeah, right. You can still yeah, see the trench lines. There's a museum around the area where the Bulges fought, which has got a King Tiger parked out the front. Mm-hmm. And you come up the hill and you turn a corner and there's a King Tiger staring you in the face as you're driving up the road. It's a bit... Takes you back a bit, you're yeah. <laughs> staring a tiger down when you're driving around the corner. But uh, we also, with that tour, was um, we took the World Cup around with us. You've seen the plaque, the trophy uh-huh, for, the, right. for the World Cup. We took it and we took it on a world tour. So if you have a look at the ASLOC website, there's all these pictures where we had it taken in front of tigers and Shermans and war museums and all that sort of stuff all over the world. So sort of wow. took it on its tour. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's, it's a good, good excuse to take photographs of us standing in front of tanks to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. look dear this is me and a tiger yeah yes yeah whatever yeah. so do you have any uh, <laughs> aspirations of where to go next any um, any goals anything you haven't seen that you really want to see I've never actually made it down to Casino I wouldn't mind seeing that area mm-hmm. of Italy mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't mind going to New Guinea but as I say I'm a, I've become a bit of a tragic and I've been through Europe about seven or eight times um, and my wife is actually from Germany, so it's uh, one of those things that I think, hmm, probably pushing it to suggest to the family that we start doing battlefield tours. So I'm unlikely to do so. But as I said, I've, I've probably seen all of them, but I wouldn't mind doing New Guinea. But it's uh, it's you've got to be very, very fit to go and see the battlefield. That's what New I Guinea understand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would really be so. Now, that's the Kokoda Trail Yeah, New Guinea, and uh, they just made a discovery on the Kokoda Trail. It was in the news, like, two weeks ago, and I, now I cannot remember what it was, if they found burial mounds or, or remains it wouldn't, of something. It wouldn't something. surprise me. You know, it's pretty dense jungle up yeah. there, and it's very easy to lose the plots. And, you know, if they can keep finding them in Europe, you know, around Belgium and the stuff from the First World War... It wouldn't surprise me at all. Right, yeah. I wish I could remember what that was, but anyway, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll be able to see it someday. You need show notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do need some show notes. That would require preparation, or, which we are not uh, going to do. Better no, memory, no, maybe. No. Uh, so what's left for you? you got a day and a half left here at Aslock. Yeah, I'm doing a big playtest uh, of an Eastern Front scenario for, for Chaz Argent for the next of the action packs. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, which looks very, very interesting, if a bit tough on the Russians. I only say that because I'm the Russians, so if I lose, I need a <laughs> public excuse. Um, I'm looking to play Chaz himself tomorrow. I'll probably try to get in about another three or four games before we finish up, so sort of edge up towards the 20. So, yeah, But, uh, yeah, mainly to just play new people. One of the things I try to do is, you know, I've got some guys I've been playing ever since I first started coming here, and I always try to play them. You know, people like, like Doug Shepard and Larry Zoet and that sort of stuff I always play when I get here. But I also try to play a lot of new people as well. So, you know, again, meet new people, play new styles, that right. sort of stuff. So always good. But uh, my main thing is to stay away from Alex's place because I think I've probably already bu- broken the budget going Alex here. Alex Key, yes. <laughs> And uh, will you be back next year? You think? No, not next year. No. Um, it'll take it'll take a while. I've been very lucky. The first time I came over, I by sheer fluke managed to score a huge bonus of frequent fly miles. 
and since then the first one which I paid for the last five have all been on frequent flyer miles which has made it affordable but I've run out of them now so after that I'm going to have to start paying for it so that might be a little bit tricky but you know look in a sense um, that's fine because you know it's it's a really good experience when you come here yeah uh, but we also have the odd shorter tournament in Australia which are also very good fun and uh, we also you know we play every week so it's not as if I'm at a loss for opportunities to play you know and right. I mean guys who come here and this is the only opportunity they get for face to face so well I'd like to come again because I, I really enjoy it and you know if I got the choice I'd come every year it's probably not going to be viable for another couple yeah. of years well, well uh, we're really glad you came this year and an amazing turnout from Australia. Yeah, well, we got, we got about a dozen guys a dozen here this guys, time around, yes. which is just astounding. And a lot of them, I think there's at least five of them, it's their first time here. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing as well. There's a few guys who've been coming. There's a couple who've been coming since Youngstown. So, you know, they've been, been around a very long time in terms of the gameplay. But, um, yeah, it's really, really... Really enjoy them. I'm really glad we've got all the guys here. We've been busy knocking each other out of grow fast over the past couple of days. So that's a bit of a mistake on our part. But uh, yeah, we should not got all the Americans first. Uh, well, yeah. well, we still got David Longworth carrying the flag out there. He's for still us. undefeated. Uh, hopefully he'll uh, he'll be able to go all the way. He's okay. he's playing really well. He's beat Gary Fortenbury. He's beat Bob Bendis. So he's he's beaten some really good players so far this weekend. So fingers crossed. By the time you know. You go to where we'll actually have yeah. another Southern Hemisphere champion. So. Will that right. be decided by tonight? Do you know? Or is that no, it's not going to be till Sunday. Um, they were all four and zero yesterday, so it's going to. Well, good luck. Well, good luck you to you. It was great meeting you, and yes. we'll great look forward to you seeing you again. Well. I don't know that we'll be getting down to Australia to uh, do a tournament. Well, if you find it hard to get down to Cleveland, you know, so yeah, right. you might be pushing it a little bit. <laughs> you know, you get down there, you know, we'll, we'll definitely set you up, and you can. We'll be able to look after you if you get down there. Don't you worry about it. Well, that. you never know. We may take you up on that. <laughs> Not so, a problem at Thanks all. again. Nice meeting you, Steve. Nice meeting you. Right. Take, take care. care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Steve. That was a great interview. Thanks, Steve. And now it's time for... What's... Go. What's in the box? Wow, yeah, that's really box. good. Here's the box. Well, it looks like it's empty. Opening it is... Look, Jeff, it's J8. Where's J8? Is it over there? It's J8. It's Journal 8. And... Oh. I kind of like it. It is. It says Issue 9 on it. I'm sorry. It's Journal 9. Oh, okay. What? It does not. It's Journal 8, but it says Issue 9. It says what? It's Journal 9. How did I get confused? I'm a whole journal it's, behind. It's easy to get confused. It's Journal Let's 9. See. And on the back of it's an ad for? For those of you uh, look at, watching on TV. And look yeah. at it, Jeff. What's that ad on the back? That's a beautiful ad for Hacapella. You're right. And that is, is the coming, artwork. Coming we, soon, but come on. How long have we been saying okay. coming soon on that? <laughs> We've been really, really a long time. We picked time. the wrong product. We could have so. picked any other product yeah. and said, hey, they're going to do this next. And we would have been right. Um, Hacapelle, there's the box art previewed on our show first. Well, yeah. not first; it was somewhere on Game Squad forums. But anyway, Journal Nine, ASL Journal Nine. Yeah. And thanks, this Chaz. Is, Chaz is kicking this stuff out, man. Yes, he is. I'm so. looking. That's probably why he can't talk to us tonight because he's at home stapling stuff together. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that, did you get a chance to look through this? I read the whole thing. So, so. When, when did you get this? Oh. Uh, I had tweeted it out maybe three weeks ago or two okay. from Alex Key. Thank oh, Alex. you, Alex Key. Yeah. Got a whole mess of shipment of stuff for me. 
Great price, great service. Alex Key, he's the man to order from. Well, and I haven't played any of these scenarios, and I won't until I play, play all of Journal 8 scenarios. Because you know me, I have to play in order. Yeah, Ken Smith. Ken Smith. Yeah. And That's Ken, a great cover. Nice job, but we're not going to do the art review on this one yet. No. We're going to save that till we get to all the yeah. annuals and journals. So what's in Journal 9? Why should I get Journal, journal 9? 9. I, I didn't order this a yet. A ton of scenarios. You know, i got two kids going to college. I'm, I know. Why don't it's, you read off? <laughs> you read off the index to me. I'll tell you what I what it's I read sad. in there. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, first, there's a debriefing from MMP about Chapter T errata. A view okay. from the a view from bench. the bench, which is an editorial oh, listing out all the products they're looking at doing, which is a ton. Wow. A ton. We'll save that for when we interview Chaz, hopefully. Okay, folks. So you know that uh, ASL is not winding down. We're winding no, up. No, it's winding up. Yeah. It's absolutely winding up. Yeah. An article by uh, Brett Hildebrand on the art of the bonsai. Not bonsai, but the bonsai. And, yeah, Brett did a nice job with that bonsai article. Um, there's another one out there somewhere on, the, I think it was the Texas guys or somewhere, but his is very good. Yeah. How to run a bonsai. I'll have to read that. Uh, the Science of the Bonsai by Jim Bishop. Understanding nin- Ninja Moves is the subtitle of that one. Good article. Yeah, his was more technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting Your Feet Wet, Water, Water Everywhere by John Neal. Yeah, really good article covering boats. Kind of a basic, but, I mean, everyone needs it because not just rafts and boats, but into the LVTs, landing craft. Ah. Absolutely great article, bringing it all together into a big picture. And then you would need to do more research on an individual level. Now, are there any boats in in the main modules, or are they only in like the campaign games? I mean, I know they started with Blood Reef Paratrooper. Oh, there's boats in Paratrooper. Well, the counters came, no, with maybe with Yanks. Yeah, no, not Paratrooper. Paratrooper was just an introduction. Right, right, right. Yanks brought out. There are boats in there. Yes. So I must have boat counters somewhere. You do. Yeah, there's a couple of river crossing scenarios. Okay, okay. I haven't played those yet. Well, I need to read that article. Uh, Verdict at Nuremberg, a new mini-campaign game by uh, and trilogy of scenarios, uh, an article by Pete Schilling. Oh, he's talking about his little a trio of connected mini-mini-campaign um, game, mm-hmm. um, which looks fine. Battle for Suicide Creek by Daryl Anderson. That's the big game in the module, big old map, uh, large hexes. A small area fought over by the Americans and the Japanese, of course. And it looks really good. In fact, I was thinking of playing it in miniature this summer. Mm. Uh, Shorter scenarios, though. Maybe there were some large ones in there. And anyway, that's the camp. Got a campaign game with it. Came with a counter sheet, like I need more counters. Uh, (laughs) But they had counters of Japanese and Americans with a DC on the counter. The DC is printed on the multi-man counter. Hmm. So you don't have to have all those extra DCs f- messing up your stack. So that was a great idea. There was no client in there, but I'm okay with that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it also had palm debris. No, it had a corduroy road counters where they lay logs down through the jungle to ah. make roads. They mm-hmm. used to do it in the old uh, United States history, you know, early corduroy roads. And they have counters to lay out the corduroy roads. There's several scenarios with bulldozers. Tank dozers, tank dozers in there, and yeah. clear get across this creek. Looks very good, and a great article to go with it. Sounds like fun. 
uh, but larger uh, hexes on this. Yeah, on this. I, I didn't bring the map, but okay. they were bigger than just the like slightly larger. Map came with, with this historical. Yeah, the maps with the game, oh, cool. the counter sheet, okay. or with the journal, with the journal. The counter sheets with the journal. Journal's forty-four bucks. Pre-order it with MMP, you save some money, or pre-order it with Alex Keys, you save some money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Battle for Suicide. Oh, I uh, just did that. Last House on the Left. Oh, by Mark Pitcavich, our dear, dear friend Mark Pitcavich. Yes. A, a uh, the art of key building defense. Yes, and it was very good. He talks about some backup buildings, and I, I thought it was very much a beginner article. When I read it, I didn't learn anything new, which, no offense Mark, because that has to be written <laughs> in your articles. Outstanding, and I recommend it to all beginner players, especially starter kit players, need to read that article, even if it's an advanced article. Mm-hmm. On building defense, you know, having supporting areas and things that I had done with Bob, having that machine gun going down the street, fire lane, cutting off the street the enemy has to close to get that last building. Your tendency is to put everybody in the last building, right? Yeah. Defend it that way. But you need people next to it. You need people behind it that can move into it. You need uh, machine guns down the streets across from it to cut off the road's in front of you to defend that road yeah. fight with fire lanes. Then the enemy's got to divert forces to go get those guys. As an attacker, you need to flank that building. You need to get fire brought into it from the rear so routed people get broken. And Mark covered all of that in an outstanding um, article. I'm looking with, forward to With that. great illustrations, too. Uh, a Method to the new Madness. Oh, ser- Scenario Design 101 by Pete Schelling. This is interesting because I thought we should do a show on Scenario Design and ask, I was thinking this the other day, ask Pete Schelling, Mark Bitkavich, Ian Daglish, you know, guy. obviously there's hundreds of really great guys. Yeah. Ask them, you know, tips for how to design a scenario. Is that what they're talking about here? Co- yeah, he's covering How to go there. about it. Yeah, doing the historical research, finding something you like, not having too many special rules. And we did interview Pete, and he covered a little bit of that with us. Yeah. And he saved some more for his um, article there. Um. Spass mit Panzerfaust by Tim uh, Hunsdorfer. The ins and outs of the deadly German light anti-tank weapon. Yeah, also very good. I, f- I found, I think, we have most of that mastered, but uh, watching out for backblast and various yeah. you know penalties against it. And it's a short article, but it's a, g- a great overview for a Panzerfaust. Yeah, he's written, uh, he wrote an article on half-tracks that um, I've been studying for our half-track show. Okay, great. Uh, Red Barricades Project by Jim Aikens, the Southern California ASL Club's solution for space-challenged play. That sounds interesting. And that article was talking about using boards like you have, Jeff, right over here in your room with using the poster frames. Poster frames, yeah. And how they could write on those poster frames with marker, removable marker. Oh, yeah, Erasable marker. Right. So they can take the counters off quick, mark down... And put the counters into a box, a counter tray storage box or some other thing. Mm-hmm. Label your storage tray, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, to 50. And then, or by hexes, and then you dump the counters right in there, store it that way. When you go to reset up the game later, you're just pulling everyone in that counter tray. That yeah. That cubby hole in that counter tray goes on to hex C4. The next one goes on to D1, whatever. And great. Oh, and he, and he numbered the... Plexiglass, like, so if, if you have tray number 49, he would write 49 on the plexiglass. Wow. So you could just transfer the units right back on the board and start playing again. 
and when you had to clean up a big game and put it back up quickly. This is, it was a great idea. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like uh, – so did they, did they say how they were space-challenged? Uh, yeah, they had to use the game room in a big game shop, so oh. they had to clean it up. Oh. They couldn't leave it in their basement. Yeah. And then uh, the last article by Chaz Argent in the pipeline, the new, the upcoming, and the ongoing. So all that news. D- did Chaz say anything uh, that I need to know right now? No, he didn't. Well, that looks like chock full of goodies. I'm going to have to place that on order. Hey, Dave, Jeff, this is Pierce Ostrander yet again. Hey, I am just having a great time going back through all these old podcasts. It's it's wonderful to be back in the game, and, and you guys, great boon to feeling engaged and participating, even though I'm uh, not finding a lot of opponents. I've played once or twice since I went to Winter Offensive, but uh, anyway, it's just nice to vicariously enjoy the game with you guys. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, again, I'm really enjoying the show. It was fun to hear from your friend Bob Holstrom, I think it is, or Holstrom, um, that he learned the game from Steve Brasseur in uh, uh, St. Louis. Uh, Steve used to live in Arizona, and so did I, and for about five years uh, we played together uh, in the late 80s in uh, Arizona. And uh, I think Steve would probably say that I I taught him the game, uh, at least uh, improved his game significantly, uh, together playing. Fun to hear that I've actually got a grandchild in Bob. So, you know, I taught Steve, Steve taught Bob, and, and there you go. Anyway, uh, I think that was about episode four or five. I'm, I'm back to the be- all the way to the beginning again, and just really enjoyed it. So, hey, thanks guys for what you're doing. Appreciate what you're what you're up to, and and keep it up. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. We need that inspiration. Yeah. And we're out of voicemails. It's nice to get those voicemails. Yeah, we have one I'm saving for the next roundtable. Okay. But we need more, so yeah. folks call into the voicemail also. Check our website. There's a phone number on there, an extension, and you can leave us a voicemail. Talk about anything you want, as long as you want. It's fine. Yep. If we don't like it, we'll just leave it out. We'll leave it out, or we'll <laughs> just edit out your little cuss words. Yeah. Oh, what is that? What is that? What could it be? Well, the fabulous Colin James Hay and his group Men at Work. His Men at Work. Did you actually know his right name? Yeah, Colin James Hay. Wow. I love that guy. Vegemite Sandwich. It's time for another interview. This time with David Longworth of the Paddington Bears. And the Paddington Bears, of course, is a uh, popular ASL group down in Sydney, Australia. I just pulled up their website, uh, the Paddington Bears homepage. It's actually, you know, I'm clicking on the meeting dates, and they have meeting dates up through two weeks ago. Really? Oh, no, two weeks ago of last year. Okay. Just, uh, everything, it hasn't been updated, I guess, in a while. No. Since, t- since 2010. I'm sure they're still very active. Well, in the interview, he said he wasn't sure about the website, as you'll oh, hear. Oh, I'd forgotten. I, I haven't listened to I it since edited did it. edited it. Edited it. <laughs> indefatigable. You are indefatigable. <laughs> With no further ado, yeah. from the land down under, David Longworth. Longworth from, from Australia. All the way from Australia. This, uh, 
of course, we knew, we've known all day that there were people here from Australia, but we are astonished. No, we've got about um, a dozen dozen players this year. Um, there's always, you know, one or two or three, but, uh, yeah, this year I think it was just a combination of things. Um, yeah, a few people were coming over, and I think the, there's some really, really good flight deals. Uh, cheap airfares at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, the Australian dollar is really strong compared to the US dollar, so it makes it uh, a lot cheaper to come over here. Yeah. Like 97 cents, and I remember coming coming over here in the 90s, and it was like 50 Australian cents of the dollar, and that was way more uh, yeah. way more expensive. So, yeah. yeah. So, and, and I think also once, once people heard that a whole bunch of guys were coming over, um, yeah, I think a couple more fellows decided to um, join in. So, so yeah, it kind of snowballed. Wow. So, so I think there's about 12 players, yeah, so it's, it's a really, really good attendance. Yeah, it's very good attendance. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. So did you all wear the same shirts and stuff when you got on the plane and say, hey, we're playing ASL, and everybody on the plane looks at you like, what? <laughs> no, You're no. what? <laughs> I, wish, I wish, we, wish, we, wish we had, but no, we all, uh, we all kind of came on different flights and different times. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah, so we kind of straggled in piecemeal. All right. Yeah, and yeah, one guy brought his family and that kind of thing, so it was a bit of a, uh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't like a full squad disembarking oh, okay. or anything. No, not, right. not, not quite like that. Well, amazing yeah. nonetheless, so welcome. Yeah, thank you. So uh, how long have you been playing ASL? Uh, ever, si- ever since ASL started, um, I bought, yeah, basically I bought Squad Leader like the year after it came out, back in 1976 or 77 or whatever, whatever it was, and then uh, played Squad Leader, and then as soon as ASL came out, I knew, yep, this was... The next, the next big thing. So I got Beyond Valor and the rule book, and yeah, I kind of got everything since then, and I've been in, been with it all the way. So yeah, so it's been a, a almost a lifetime obsession. Yeah, yeah, no, not quite, but yeah, do close. You, do you play anything else? Yeah, yeah, I um, I went through a long period, um, probably from like the when ASL first came out through to about um, probably about the late nineties, uh, when I pretty much played ASL exclusively. But since then, probably, probably since around 2000, I've been playing other games as well, you know, car-driven games and, and uh, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so a bit of a bit, of, bit more of a mixture. Yeah. Uh, where in Australia are you from? I used to live. I used to be in Sydney. Uh, lived there for 40 years, born and bred. Uh, about three years ago, my uh, uh, wife and I had a bit of a life change, and we moved out of Sydney and moved to the country. So we live, we live near Canberra now, out, out in, in a rural, rural environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a farm, 33 acres, a few, can- ho- few horses, a few can- sheep. Kangaroos? Oh, you see the odd kangaroo, yeah. yeah a few, few, few black wallabies as well, ah. which, are, which are like little kangaroos. Yeah. So, so, yeah, there's a few, few around. Not too many, but, uh, yeah, but some. They don't farm kangaroos. No, 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 they look after themselves. <laughs> it's hard to milk a kangaroo. It is. Yeah, yeah, they're tough to catch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're tough to catch. Yeah, and of course Australia is famous for the Paddington Bears. That's right. Do you have a connection um, to that. Yeah, I'm actually, in fact, I'm actually the founding member of the Paddington Bears. Um, that was back in, I think, 1993. We had the kind of first formal meeting. Um, yeah, and we it was about, I think it was more of a chance thing, and we realised that there were a few of us who lived in or near a suburb called Paddington. Which is where the name comes from. That's a that's a suburb in inner Sydney. Okay. And so we said, oh yeah, there's yeah, there's about eight or ten guys who all live in or very close to this area. So yeah, within like a fifteen minute drive of each other. Uh, so we thought, oh let's let's form a club. So we found a like a licensed um, club which had a meeting room we could use once a month. So we met, organised it once a month. Um, yeah, just rang around, got people coming along, and um, yeah, it's been going ever since. 
once a month for geez, almost yeah. almost twenty years. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, almost twenty years. Good so yeah, it's been time. a long been a long time. Uh, it used to be ASL purely, uh, but probably throughout the last you know, eight to ten years, it's been a mixture of ASL and other games uh, being played at the club, uh, which has kind of given it a new, a new lease of life because there's you know, now we get 20, 20, 25 people regularly every month, so it's a you know, pretty strong turnout. Yeah, um, you know, some old members, some new members. You know, it's a good cross section. It's important to get the new new players in there. Uh, yes. Whatever, yeah. whatever kind of yeah. gaming, and then hopefully you'll uh, pull them into ASL. If you've yeah, done, we've, um, done well recruiting over the years. Yeah, we have. Um, obviously, uh, with war gaming, uh, some some guys drop out permanently. Um, some guys drop out temporarily. They have kids or whatever, and then come back. But we've always, we've had like a trickle of new members over the years as well. Um, starter kits actually brought in, brought in, you know, two or three new players. In fact, they've got starter kit. Found out about Paddington Bears and then come along through that um, through that medium, and there's also been other players come in, not AS, not ASL players, just um, board gamers who've come along to the club because it now has a kind of broader cross section. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, we've had um, we don't we don't have a real strong effort on recruiting, but um, yeah, we're trying to put the word out and yeah, new people have turned up gradually, so yeah, yeah. it's been good. It's yeah. been good. And there's other clubs in Australia, ASL there are, clubs. There are. There's um. A very active group of guys in uh, Melbourne called Army Group South, because they're like the oh, southern, yeah. southern, southern, big, southern most big city in Australia. So that's they're quite active. Uh, there's a few guys in Canberra who have a kind of regular um, get-togethers, mm-hmm. and there's I think a, a small group in Perth, and there's a few other players scattered around the country. So not not a big community, not like the US, but yeah, there's certainly some you know, quite small concentrated groups of good players. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we yeah we have fun. And do you play exclusively uh, scenarios that have to do with Australian troops, and you just you will not play any other scenarios? Well, if there if there are enough scenarios to do that, we would. But yeah, there's not quite enough, so we have to kind of branch out Dang. from time to time. Yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously when Kota Bushido came out, yeah, the first scenario we all played was on the Kokoda Trail. On the Kokoda Trail, because yeah. yeah. that's such a, that's such an iconic battle for Australians as yes. well. Uh, yes, so it's it real, is. It's a real kind of national yeah. event. So yeah, yeah, that's no, good. Yeah. And big, uh, are there tournaments in Australia where you you bring in all the clubs, or it'll, it'll pull members yeah, from all? Yeah, the- yeah. There's a um, effectively a, a national tournament in uh, Canberra every January. Uh, it's called called CanCon. And that's kind of the national championship, and that usually gets around uh, probably around twenty players, give or take. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, a tournament in Sydney, and then there's a tournament in uh, uh, Melbourne during the year as well. So I think that's, and then, then you might have a couple of other local gatherings, but CanCon is basically the big, the big one. That's kind of a yeah. part tournament, part social event. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, so it's a bit of a get together as well. But that's always good fun and uh, good scenarios and everything. So yeah, so yeah. It's amazing uh, the dedication that we all have to this game that nobody knows about. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's for sure, yeah. So you just tell yeah. me, oh, yeah, 20 players, I think, wow. Yeah. A whole continent yeah. of Australia, you know, yeah. and you're getting yep. 20 players. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, guys, you know, drive for 10 hours to get there and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I guess yeah. It's, you know, it's like a, like a, a mini-ass lock. Yeah. Much smaller, but just as much... Uh, all the same, you know, good vibes and good spirits and, yeah. uh, and good guys. And now the, the yeah. uh, Pennington Bears have published scenarios. Yeah, right? actually we've published a number. Um, I think 
Right. There were three packs that were published in the 90s through uh, Critical Hit. Okay, um, right. And uh, I, think, I think, yeah, like yeah, a mixed bag, but some of them were pretty good and some of them were, were okay. And there's a few more floating around um, in the vaults. There's been a small number published in the in the uh, in the journal, journal over the over the years. Um, yeah, the odd one now and again. And we've submitted some more. So, so yeah, I think because what we do is we tend to develop them develop them for competitions, and so then they get a run. They get tested in tournament conditions, essentially on real humans. Right. And then, um, yeah, if they're, if they're decent, then they get a bit more development work, and they get. Uh, yeah, maybe get published. So yeah, there's been there's probably been about forty, forty odd over the years through different you know different different um, publishers have come out. So I think um, some some of them are, some of them are pretty good and others are uh, you know solid. So they were pretty happy with it. Yeah. Did the club ever put out a fanzine too? Or yeah. Yes, we did. Um, we had a fanzine called Rate of Fire. I think the uh, I think I think it used to be called. Um, one man turret or something, and then it changed names to Rate of Fire. Okay. We had about was it was always kind of an irregular uh, publication, but we had about twenty three issues, I think. But but I think sadly, about six or seven years ago, it sort of passed away for lack of uh, contributions. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's a lot of work to uh, oh yeah, yeah round up the articles and that kind of thing. So it's so it kind of passed away. But yeah, it had, had some nice articles in, in its time. Um, yeah, so around, I guess yeah, there's probably two issues a year for about twelve years would have been its uh, its lifespan. So. Yeah. No, it's too bad. You should try podcasting because there's no preparation involved. You don't have to have any expertise at all, and uh, you know it's easy to do. Yeah, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe yeah. that, maybe that could be the, the new incarnation of uh, Rate of Fire. Yeah, yeah. the Australian yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the, uh, Rate of Fire podcast. Has anyone yeah. put all this stuff into? Um, Digitally on the internet at all? Do you have a website or anything? Oh, that's a good question. We used to. I know that. Whether the website's still live or not, I'm not sure. But that actually was live, and it did have all the issues of Rate of Fire uh, PDF on it. So, oh, um, Jeff's going to do a search while we talk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was just one of one of, one of the one of the members had it on his personal sort of web space. Um, okay. And, uh, and I know he you know, used to get hits on it, so. But whether it, whether it's still current, I'm actually not quite sure myself. Not sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And have you travelled to other countries for tournaments? Uh, no, not for, not for tournaments. Um, I've been to. This is my seventh ASLOC in 20 years. Uh, my first one was in 1991, so 91, 95, 99, 01, 03, and this year. So it's so so it's been. Uh, Kind of like the Olympics every four years. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of frequency. Which, is a, which is yeah. a, can be enough. And uh, Jeff yeah. does have the uh, page up. It's, uh, okay. I do have the page up. And, in fact, did you know you're missing a tournament or an, uh, a, a gathering in Sydney, October, right now? Oh, yeah, yes. That's like a little sort of little tournament which sometimes has like alternative uh, kind of scenarios and that sort of thing. They're probably like, wondering where the hell you are. Oh, like, no, how, they, how come nobody's here? Everybody went to. <laughs> oh no, they, they know where we are. They know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably waiting for updates, but we uh, we haven't we haven't we haven't been posting them, so so they're kind of wondering what's happening, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. what are you playing while you're here? You're playing a very interesting looking scenario there right now. Over there. You're oh, play he, testing. He's not playtesting. Oh, you're not playtesting. Oh no, no, oh, you were not, just not, stopping no, in no, over no, there. Okay. Okay. He was gawking okay. with us yeah. at, a, okay. at a mega. 
tank battle from yeah. Kursk. Yeah, that, that, that looked huge. That looks like an amazing scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be uh, good, to, good to see that one when in, its, in its final form. Yeah, but, but you're yeah. playing what kind of things? Yeah, just, um, oh, just a mixture of scenarios. Um, I've played uh, 12 games. This is my 13th since uh, Saturday. So, it's, um, so yeah, I've been going, going okay. Only one loss so far. So, so Only so, one loss? Yeah, yeah. Out of yeah. 13 games? Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. the Grow Fast competition or is that... Uh, some of it. I'm kind of 3-0 and in the Grow Fast at the moment, so oh, going, okay. going, going for number four. But, uh, yeah, we, we had a whole lot of warm-up games in the World Cup, so so that was good. Oh, can you tell us about the World Cup? Uh, mostly it's for all the early arrivals at ASLOC. Um, yeah, like Saturday when the first uh, players get in, we try and always pair off a world player, like Australia or European or Canadian versus a US player. And then we try and do that for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then over those four days, we just tot up all the results, uh, add them up, World versus USA, and uh, see, see who comes out on top. And it looks like from the trophy, it was usually the World that was winning. Yeah, not, sometimes not by very big margins, but um, yeah, the World's had a very consistent streak. So oh, It's nice for America to be humbled. <laughs> I think it's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it's because all the, all the good players from the world get here early to kind of warm up and get over the jet lag and that kind of thing, yeah. whereas a lot of the good players from the U.S. come in midweek just to uh, get the serious uh, play happening. But, yeah, it's close. Yeah, no, it's good. So each, each side has an MVP. Yeah, there's a world MVP and a, a U.S. MVP. Oh, okay. so, so it's a nice little kind of warm-up and introduction to the uh, tournament. Yeah. And yeah. then the mini start on Wednesday, and then it, then it goes from there. And they do give out a lot of trophies, as we saw earlier today. Yes, this tournament. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I managed to, managed to score the world MVP, so that was that was kind of nice, <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you doing uh, once you're done with the tournament here? Where are you going? Straight uh, back home, or yeah, gonna... pretty much. Um, Monday afternoon, hop on the plane, and it's like 24 hours, and back to Australia. So, a couple of days off to recuperate, and then uh, back to work. So. Yeah. But I think um, a couple of the other guys are taking a bit more time off to uh, look around and have a bit of a holiday. So, so I think just different different plans for different people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think everyone sort of pulls out of Cleveland on Monday to somewhere or some destination or another. Well, it's pretty cool. We're uh, very happy to meet you. Glad you could come over and play with us. And uh... yeah, look, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. Great gaming, great people. Uh, yeah, everyone's been really friendly and welcoming. And uh, look, it's always a great experience to come to come to Aslock. It's a fantastic uh, you know, celebration of the hobby. So yeah, very is, always, always happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Right. Great meeting hey, you. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you, Dave Longworth, for the for your interview. It was very great meeting you at Aslock, and we look forward to seeing you again sometime. Hope you all are well down there. Yep. All that massive Aussies. So yeah. And now we'll play our outro music by Derek K. Miller. His website is uh, penmachine.com. On his passing, um, our condolences to his family. <laughs>